Welcome to the Believer's Voice of Victory from Kenneth Copeland Ministries. Download the notes at kcm.org notes. When you lose the net, when you're willing to say, I'm going to get out here with nothing to fall back on, that's when you're walking by faith. I Today, Kenneth and Gloria Copeland's grandson, Jeremy Pearsons, brings a message on how Jesus taught his disciples to leave the net and follow the Father's plan for redeeming the lost and hurting of this world. Now here is Jeremy. Let's pick up again today in this study with where we left off in the book of Luke chapter 9 yesterday. We're going to begin again in verse 7. Remember, we're talking about what it is to be fit for the master's use. We spent a week talking about being fit for the fight of faith, getting our faith in shape, going back to those basics and, and re-engaging in the contest of faith because it's not just a matter of fighting. You know, whether or not you win is dependent on how you fight the fight. Paul said, I run not with uncertainty. He said, run in such a way to obtain the prize. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. So you see, it matters how you fight. It matters how you run. And now we're talking about being fit for the master's use. I know I'm loved by God and I know I'm called by God, but I want to know, I got to find out, am I in shape for him to be able to use me? How about you? Are you in shape? Are you able to, to be used by the master? Are, are you of any use to him whatsoever? And so we're looking at some scriptures um, from the life and ministry of Jesus, finding out people who were useful to him, people who weren't. And go now, like we said, to Luke chapter 9 and look again at verse 57. It happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and, and uh, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That little word, F-I-T, fit, it means useful. We're talking about being fit for the master's use, useful to the master and prepared for every good work. The word prepared just simply means ready. You were ready before the opportunity opened up to you. So when Jesus said to these guys, follow me, I want you to notice their responses. Both of them said, yes, basically. There are those who said, no, Jesus, in a conversation with the guy we call the rich young ruler, he said, follow me. And that guy turned and walked away. So he said, no. And you might think to yourself, well, at least these guys didn't say no. But you know what? In God's eyes, it's the same thing. What's the same thing? Listen to their response. They said, okay, yeah, Lord, that sounds good. But let me first. Do you hear that? Me first. Let me first. I'm going to tell you something. In the kingdom of God, it's not me first. It is at all times, in all things, kingdom first. 
And there are many people who have heard the same invitation from Jesus to follow him. And they've said, Lord, that sounds good. I want to, but um, uh, uh, let me first get a little more money in the bank. Let me first get the kids through school. Let me first get the house I want, get the car I want. Let me first get a little further on in my career. All of these things are putting Jesus off. As long as you're saying, let me first, then you're not putting the kingdom first. And in the eyes of Jesus, he said, I love you. I've called you, but I can't use you. And what is it they're saying here? Let me first. This first guy says, let me go first and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go. And the implication here is now I'm creating opportunity for you right now to follow me and go do what I've created you to do. You go now and preach the kingdom of God. And at first glance, you're thinking, well, at least let the guy go back to his father's funeral, but you study this out and you find out it's not about going and just attending a, a, a funeral. Study would tell us that this guy's dad is not dead. What he's actually saying is, let me go back and wait till he dies. Why is that significant for us? It's because I believe there are many people, sons and daughters, who are living under an undue burden and expectation from their fathers to be one thing, this, that, or the other. And they sense a call of God on their lives, but they're afraid to step out in it because of what dad might say, because of what their father may or may not approve of, or because their father expects them to go in this direction. Let me say to you fathers listening and watching this broadcast right now, let you and I never be guilty of expecting anything from our children other than them following the plan of God for their lives. Let's raise kids who are able to hear the voice of Jesus. And when they come to us and say, Daddy, I know what I'm supposed to do. Now, no matter how different it looks and feels and sounds to what you thought or what you did or what I experienced, let's be willing to let them walk with God encourage them in their walk with the Lord. And whatever, to whatever degree they're open to us, let's trust the Lord for words to speak to them. But let us never put so much expectation on them to do something or be something that they're afraid to step out and follow the plan of God for their lives. And right on the other side, young, young people, people who are living uh, with an expectation of your father, either one he's put on you or one you've put on yourself, nothing comes before Jesus. Let's not have a me first mentality here. Let's not put anyone or anything else before Jesus. Don't live with the fear thinking you've got to let somebody else pass away and then do what you're called to do. Don't put Jesus off anymore. Let Jesus take care of that. Let Jesus fix all that. And you go and pursue the plan of God. And he said, let me first, what's he want to do? Go back home. And Jesus responded to it and said, no, you go now. In verse, verse 61, when, G, when the Lord uh, had extended that invitation, this one said, I'll follow you, but let me first. Same two words, me first, me first, me first. Let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. You know, if you're making your to-do list of things that need to get done, as long as there's still something 
earlier in the list, you can't get to these others. In other words, you're not ready to do this down here because there's still, still something to do up here. What's that mean? You're not ready. You're not ready. As long as you think there's still something else to do before submitting to the plan of God, then you're not ready. And if you're not ready, you're not fit. He's looking for people who are ready to go all in right now. Go all in for the call of God, all for the call, all for the plan. And to this one, he said, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I want you to notice something. Both of these individuals, both of them were trying to go back home. Let me go back to my father. Let me go back and bid them farewell who are at my house. Have you ever noticed that? That there is this, there is this draw that home puts on people. They don't want to step out. It's always trying to draw them back in. And it's not like, for many people, it's not that home is a bad place, but it's what it represents. Growing up in the house, you may remember this for a long time. You just showed up at the table and there was food there. You really gave no thought to how it got there. You really gave no thought to what it took to get it there. It was just there and you just ate. I mean, my kids... We never have conversation about, Daddy, how much was this? And how much did it cost you to provide me with this food? And they just eat. It's like they give no thought to it whatsoever. And kids are like that. This is, kids are a demographic of people who do not struggle with vision. You ask a kid what he wants to be, and he's going to tell you, I'm going to be an astronaut. I'm going to go to outer space. You ask him, no, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. And they just dream big, man. They have no problem whatsoever with vision. And you know why? It's because up until a certain point of their life, they've never had to provide anything for themselves. And as long as you're not providing anything, then you're not intimidated by cost. There's no kid that would tell you, well, I'd like to go to space but it costs billions of dollars and the space program is on the ver verge of bankruptcy and the schooling that it, that, that it takes to go, it really costs a lot and I just don't know if I can afford the college and the, the degrees that it's going to take and so I'm just going to put my dreams to go to space on hold. No six-year-old will ever tell you that. What you want to be, man? I'm going to be an astronaut. I'm going to be a fireman. I'm going to space. I mean, they're just dreaming big. This is a demographic of people who have no problem whatsoever with vision. And it's because they've never been dependent upon themselves to meet their own need. Now, what happens is parents do generally a bad job and they bring kids to a point where they have provided for them and now they wean their children off of them and on to themselves. I've provided for you up until this point. Now you go provide for yourself. You're going to learn the value of a dollar. You're going to learn what it takes to work hard. And those things are wonderful. That's fine and that's great. But what's supposed to happen is you're supposed to wean them off of you onto God. Yes, work hard. Yes, learn the value of it. But learn the value of a dollar sown. 
learn the value of working under grace. And watch what, ha what then happens in the lives of your children. That vision won't diminish. It'll only grow. But I want you to notice it's this, this, this magnetic draw that home has on people. Man, I, I don't know about getting out there on my own. I don't know about providing for myself. I don't know about being out there in the unknown. And it tries to draw people back home. Look at this. Both these guys. Let me go back to my father. Let me go back home. I want you now, hold your place here in Luke 9, compare and contrast this with people who heard the same two-word invitation from Jesus and notice their response. Look to Mark chapter 1, verse 16. As he, Jesus, walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. I like that statement. They were throwing a net in. Why were they throwing a net in? Because that's what fishermen do. Fishermen throw nets into the sea. Why? To catch fish. Why do they need fish? Because they're fishermen and this is not just some hobby that they're up to out there. This is their way of life. So when they're using that net, that net is their whole livelihood. That net is not just catching fish, man. It's catching money. And the more fish, the more money. So they're casting a net into the sea. Why were they doing that? Because that's what fishermen do. In verse 17, then Jesus said to them, follow me. Same two word invitation that the guys in Luke 9 got. Follow me. It's the same word, two word invitation that I got, that you got, that we all get. Follow me. Now here's what's so funny about Jesus. There is most often almost always, no further explanation. <laughs> he doesn't really like spelling it all out for you. It's never follow me because this is going to happen next and then this and then this and then this and then it's going to be like that and then you're going to marry this person and then you're going to have these kids and then you're going to get this job and then you're going to make this money. <laughs> Wait, he does not spell it out for you. It's always just follow me. Follow me and watch what happens. These guys got a little more information, but it was really so cryptic. You don't even know what they could do with it. Follow me, he said. I'll make you fishers of men. We have the privilege of 2,000 years of knowing what that means. These guys were like, huh? Fishers of men? But notice this, verse 18. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Can you see the difference between that and the guys in Luke 9 who Jesus said, follow me too. And they said, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Let me first go do something else. What's Jesus say? Stop, stop, time out. You're not ready. You're not ready. I've opened the door of opportunity, but you're not ready to follow through. And if you're not ready, I love you. I've called you, but I can't use you. Not in that shape, not in that condition. Notice the difference here though. Follow me. And what did they do? Immediately left their net. Now, I believe it's significant that they left their net. Why would that be important? Again, their net is their livelihood. That net is what makes them money. That net, much like a net draped out under there, un under somebody who's up on a, on a tightrope, 
You've been to the circus where these guys climb four stories tall and they get out on that tightrope and they walk across and you look down beneath them and there's that net there. What's that net for? That net is in case they fall. That net is there to hold them up. That net is there to fall back on. And really though, as long as there's a net there, there's no risk. I mean, this guy's going to fall and it might be a long way, but he's going to fall and very gingerly land in this net and he's going to spring back up. And the most that could happen is he's going to, you know, get a run in his tights, maybe, you know, that's, that's the worst that could happen to that guy that day. But you take some of these other guys that are out there with a tightrope stretched across the Grand Canyon or between two skyscrapers in downtown Chicago with no net underneath them, that's risk. That is risk. When you lose the net, when you're willing to say, I'm going to get out here with nothing to fall back on, that's when you're walking by faith. And these guys left the net. Now, what are you hanging on to as a net? People are using their net worth as their net, looking at what's in the bank. Well, as long as we've got that there, we can fall back on that. They look to that for security. They look to the assets for security. They look to the job, the career as security. And Jesus is going, hey, 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 follow me. Follow me. Now, how funny would it have been and how funny and odd really would it have looked if these guys had said they'd follow Jesus, but never left the net. They followed him, but they're just, they've got this net behind him. Jesus turns around and says, what are you doing with that net? And they would have had to say, well, we'll follow you, but we're going to keep the net with us just in case this whole fishers of men thing doesn't work out. Just in case this whole ministry thing and you don't pan out to be who we think you might be, in case this doesn't work out, we've got this net to fall back on. There's no faith in that. They left the net. Jesus is saying to you today, come on, come on, leave the net. Let me be your net. Let me be what you fall back on. Let me be the one who catches you. Let me be the one who sets you back up on your feet. I'll be there to catch you. And it goes on here. In verse 19, when he'd gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat, mending their nets. What were they doing? They were mending them. Why? Because they're tearing apart. That's what happens to any earthly, natural, physical net or anything you use as a net. It will tear apart. It will get holes in it. It'll start coming apart and the integrity of it will falter. And these guys are out there having to put it back together. And whatever you're looking to as a, as a net, you are dependent upon that thing to sustain you and keep you up. And how many people have looked to their money as their net and fallen? Thought it was security. Thought it was holding them up. But these guys, after Jesus called them, It says in verse 20, immediately he called them and they left not only their net, but their father. They left their net and they left their father. Compare that, contrast it to the guys in Luke 9 who were going back home, 
back to what's comfortable, back to the security, back to somebody else's expectations. Not ready. But when Jesus called these guys, he said, follow me. And whatever it was, they saw in his face. At that moment in time, I very seriously doubt they could have even put words around it. They just followed him. They just dropped everything and followed him. They dropped everything and left everyone, including their father, including the one who had probably given them that job, had made a way for them thus far in their life, and they stepped out. I'm, t- I'm sitting here telling you this, and I, I have a little bit of example with it myself, or a little bit of um, experience, I should say, with it myself. Sarah and I, we were on staff here at Eagle Mountain International Church working for my mom and dad, youth pastoring. We, since the Lord began to t- t- tell us to start taking a step, and we made a transition from Eagle Mountain International Church to Kenneth Copeland Ministries to that side of the organization, and we were traveling and preaching. All the while, the Lord's telling us, step out, step out, step out. Man, it got so big in us that one day we went and we sat down at a kitchen table just like this with my grandma and grandpa, and we said, guys, this is what we believe the Lord's saying. We submit it to you. You let us know if you believe it's right. But we feel like we're supposed to step out. And can I tell you, you know, how really easy it was to work here? (laughs) I I, I, I feel like I had a fair amount of job security here. And my bosses were very gracious in paying us more than we'd ever been paid before in our lives. And that was great. But there was something calling us out. There was someone calling us out and we had to make a choice are we going to leave the net and are we going to leave the nest this place was our nest it was where we grew up it was where I grew up and I liked it here (laughs) it was in many ways easy on my flesh I mean the, the job had its challenges but any job does but there was a calling and we had to step out we had to and As we were stepping out, we were getting ready to have our first baby, Justice. So that makes sense, right? Have a baby, quit your job. (laughs) But we did. And we went eight months without a salary. We left the net. We just left it. And I don't know how he did it. But never once did we go backwards financially. Eight months without a salary. And we never lacked for anything. We never even came close to lacking. That's how good God is. That was Jesus saying, Jeremy, let me be your net. What do you think he's saying to you right now? I love you. I've called you. Come follow me. But as long as you're looking back to the house, as long as you're looking back to daddy or somebody else as your source, you're not ready. Two things, leave the net, leave the nest. And Jesus will be your name. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching from Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And remember, Jesus is Lord.